Um, ladies and gentlemen, I have brought my distractor. Okay? All right. Um, affectionately in Rico, these are our robot dogs. Okay, we call them dogs because I give them to soldiers and soldiers look after the dog. It is just the human way. It is amazing. Um, I have brought this as my distraction just to show you that this is one of the things that Rico is looking after and providing to you guys all out there. Okay, it is not the only thing, but it's the thing that everybody seems to be fascinated. I have a major in my team that calls it the fate fascinator because I can take it anywhere and I can draw an audience as soon as I'm dancing. Okay, whether I'm doing silly things like, well, let me press some buttons and going side to side or whatever else. And you're thinking, why is there a Lieutenant Colonel driving around a remote control robot? Okay, um, my background is all on there, please go see it. But from a short perspective, I'll give you a quick download of how I came into this position, because I think it's really important for you guys in Army to understand where I came from and where I am currently. Okay, um, lucky enough to start off as a soldier and then go through RMC. I'm not going to give you the full story, okay, but I'm a logistician, a mechanical engineer, a, a logistic planner, and now I'm looking after robots. Okay, um, for my previous three years, I was the senior principal or the principal maintenance engineer within Headquarters Forces Command. I've gone from looking after everything from a bayonet to a main battle tank and all of its maintenance to now coming into being the SME on all things robots and everything that I'm about to cover. Okay, so please understand that I am not a quantum physicist. I'm going to cover off on some quantum pieces. I am not an AI specialist. Okay, I have some great people within my team, okay, that are all providing me the guidance and at the rapid rate, not just giving me soldiers fives, but giving me Lieutenant Colonel two hours, three hours, and then adding on to that the Alex Palmer of four or five more hours so I can understand it. Throughout my presentation, I am going to go through a number of things to allow you guys to actually see, because I can't actually get you to do. The things that we are providing you are these aspects for you guys to explore. That's why I'm getting into the soldier's hands so you guys can actually be on tool. It is the only way Army is going to learn these systems and understand their limitations. There is no one robot that can do it all. There is no one weapon system that can do it all. That's why we have multiple weapon systems. Okay? This dog is great to be walking up and down stairs. Okay, put a load of sensors on it, send it into harm's way rather than putting a human. I can do that with wheeled robots, I can do it with large unmanned ground vehicles. There are a number of applications. But Army needs it all, we need to explore it all. Okay. Fingers crossed. As all good Army presentations, let me just have Quake here sit down for me, if I can get it. Sit. I'll stop hiding behind my control unit and actually get on with my presentation. So as in all good presentations, this is the scope that I've got. Okay, I'm going to give you some strategic context of where Rico came from. Okay, I'll provide our role. I'll cover off on what applications we are currently doing. That is the main reason that I'm here is to tell you guys what we're doing because your counterparts out there not only here in Brisbane, but in Darwin um, and everywhere else around the country are utilising things from RICO or will soon be utilising things from RICO. Whether that's in the quantum space, power and energy space, within my robotics and autonomous system space dealing with small robots, optionally crew combat vehicles, lead follower, as well as some stuff that's happening in the AI. I'll then quickly go through some challenges and where we're going to go into the future if I've got time. And then, more importantly, there should be enough time in my presentation for a good discussion, okay? It will only work if the guys here in the audience actually give me some questions. What I want to be doing is doing the box thing as a Lieutenant Colonel, dancing in here because I haven't got my body armor on, and I want you guys to give me the hard questions. If I can't answer them today, I will let you know that, and then I will come back to you in the future. All good Army presentations have where we sit in the world. You, my DG stood up here this morning and gave you an eloquent presentation on 
future land warfare. I work for him, for Colonel Robin Smith as the director Rico. Colonel Robin Smith provides his apologies. Unfortunately, he's about to jump on a plane and go to Montegita to see a demonstration and file milestone of one of the projects that I'll cover up later on in the presentation. From a context setting, my boss spoke about the force structure plan as one of the key um, capstone documents we as an army are using. Within RICO, that force structure plan spoke about the creation of RICO. And it also speaks to having a brigade of RAS, or up to a brigade of RAS. Doesn't say what that could be, okay? We own that problem. But rather than me talking, let me, fingers crossed if I've got current technology working, noting that I'm SO1 emerging technology and not so good with current technology, fingers crossed my presentation works. In the future, war will be different, so we must be too. The army must be future ready as well as ready now. We live in an era of uncertainty where advances in technology have changed our strategic warning time. We must be agile, operating as a part of joint and allied forces on the land, to the land, from the land and in space. We must become more protected, connected, lethal and enabled. And we will achieve that while keeping people at the heart of everything we do. Our people support the nation every day. They are ready to respond to unexpected events wherever they occur and succeed in an environment of uncertainty. We gain trust and succeed when we embrace diversity and work as partners across defence, government and with the Australian people. It is the Army training system that gives us the ability to adapt and respond quickly to domestic and world events with state-of-the-art equipment. Approximately $55 billion is being invested in Army to 2030 to build the force we need in 2040. Army's land power is part of and enables the joint force from infantry, armor and artillery to engineers, aviation and special forces. This also includes our enabling elements such as communications, logistics and intelligence. We will be more agile and effective than ever before. We will continue to invest in combat vehicles, information warfare capabilities, and next generation aerial systems to drive greater capability advantage over the decades to come. We are designing and building the army which will protect Australia in the future. That means exploring and harnessing innovation and advanced technology, including emerging robotics, autonomous systems, and quantum technology to keep us at the cutting edge. We're continuing to invest in our cyber capability to keep our systems safe and drive an information advantage. We are ready now and continually evolving, supporting our people to fight and win in any domain. This is essential because the army we plan today will be the army we rely on in a changing and increasingly globalized world of 2030 and beyond. We are scanning our horizons and adapting our technology to ensure we are future ready. To be ready for the change that we know is coming, we are thinking about how we work, how we fight, how we plan, and what we'll need to do in the future. We're an army in motion. We understand there'll be new tasks, new threats, and new technology. We're embracing that change continually adapting and transforming the way we train to bring our people and advanced systems into the future together in an era of accelerated warfare. The land operational concept document is Army's plan for what we have to do and how we're going to do it. It will guide how we change and how we build our capability. It will mean that in building the Army of tomorrow, we will be threat aware, concept led and integrated into the joint force by design. We have designed the Army Objective Force to describe how the Army will need to look beyond 2030 to be truly future ready. We understand how we'll need to position, supply and employ it to keep Australia safe. 
The Land OCD will be the guiding principle to support decisions about Army's future. It will help us stay aligned by capturing how Army's capability is connected by delivering our strategy as part of the joint force. By identifying emerging opportunities, the Land OCD helps us understand where and how we can make the most of the multi-billion dollar investment in our capabilities. The land capability we plan and build today is the army that Australia relies on tomorrow. Robotic and autonomous systems will play a key role in the future we are entering. To be future ready, we must embrace the role emerging technology will play in almost everything we do, from communications to intelligence, logistics and electronic warfare. We are developing a clearer picture of the future role of emerging technologies so they can become core parts of how we will fight in the future. We are working with industry, defence science and technology, academia and the broader defence ecosystem to build our understanding of disruptive technologies, enhanced human performance, quantum, robotics and autonomous systems to maintain our competitive war fighting advantage. In the future, war will be different, and so will we. So as from that short video, you heard them mention robotics, autonomous systems, AI, quantum. Okay? RICO is coordinating those on behalf of Army. I'm not providing immediate capability. What, I'm, what RICO is doing is informing capability. Okay, so what it, means to, what it means to you guys out there is that things like this, equipment and technology like this, I am not going through a whole CLC cycle to actually get it to you guys to experiment with, to prototype with, to evaluate. Okay, I'm able to get these sorts of things, small robots and all the other stuff that I'm about to cover into your hands early to inform Army's capability life cycle, okay, so we can get on top of this technology. It is a giant task, but I have a great team that's working um, with me to get it done. RICO, as it states up there, we do a lot of exploration, okay? We, are, we have the job of trying to coordinate the multifaceted that is defence industry, academia and internal defence agencies all shooting for the same thing. RICO doesn't want to be going after something that Navy is going after or Air Force is after, but we want to maintain watch. They are the same. Okay? If I know our inter-agencies are going after something with their star shots, we will maintain watch. Regularly monthly updates from DSTG occur between RICO and DSTG. Looks a bit like an atom and the boss gave you a far more eloquent thing of protons and electrons and other bits and pieces chasing around. I'm not sort of going to go into that, but there are essentially three elements that RICO covers off. Okay, we cover off on the quantum piece, we cover off on our future power and energy, and cover off on the robotics and autonomous systems and artificial intelligence. That is what we are structured to do right now with our small team. I'm going to start diving into quantum technologies to start with. Please remember, mechanical engineer, not a quantum physicist, when it comes to questions, at the end, if they're regarding quantum, you'll likely see me do the box of death. Okay? But happily try to explain anything as we go. It is an advancing field, as my DG said this morning, okay, that we within Australia are at the forefront of. Okay? Boss had a slightly different slide, but it, it just um, pictorially shows what we in RICO are chasing when it comes to quantum. Okay? We are chasing the computer and simulation side of quantum. We are chasing the sensing and imaging. Okay? And we're also chasing the communications and cryptography. There are three. Then the fourth one being in the center being the enablers and countermeasures. 
Okay, you can see that the technology's there in that um, inner gray circle, okay? And then the applications. I'm not gonna dive into all of those applications. They are just some of what we have come up with, but we are not bound by them, okay? If you think, as the boss said, what your iPhone can currently do, there was no such thing as an iPhone, let alone just as a mobile, there was about mobile phones playing snake when I joined the army. Now, what's in your, most of your pockets, okay, is much, you know, 10 times, if not 100 times smarter than getting guys on the moon back in the 60s. What's quantum going to do for us in the next 10 years? Please keep that, asking yourself that question as I go through the next couple of slides. In April at our Robotics Expo, we held our Quantum Challenge, and I'll cover that in a, sh in a short moment in my next slide, but we released ARMY's Quantum Roadmap. It is the roadmap to show how we as an ARMY are gonna chase quantum technology. Everybody knows that it has high potential. Uh, it is a complex, diverse, but currently has a low technology readiness level, TRL. Okay? As I said, it is a national strength. We have some great brains in our country that are leading quantum technology. Our lines of effort, and I'll dive into them a little bit more in, a, in my next slide, of diving into how we are collaborating with not just industry, but academia, and having academia and pushing academia and industry closer together to get the outcomes we as Army would like. Okay? We are helping them explore what quantum technology can do. Okay? We plan on exploiting that as best we can. We're not hiding that in any way. Okay? And then we'll start the refinement. And there's our four objectives. Okay? That is our plan on a page. It gets quite complex. And when you ask a quantum scientist to try to explain stuff, I'm pretty happy that I got it down into a slide like this. Okay? My next slide, a little bit more complex, but it is actually quite simple. It shows how that plan over the next 18 months we are going to work. In November last year, we set the quantum challenge um, on Tender openly to everybody in Australia to come back with. We got 13 responses. Of those 13 responses, we accepted seven. In April this year, those seven industry partners and academia partners came together and briefed us the quantum challenge. That dived into those four areas of quantum sensing. Um, I'll go back. Quantum sensing, quantum computing, quantum communications, as well as having a countermeasure. So of those seven um, people that came to, or parties that came to QTC, we dived into all four application technologies that we are after within Army. As a consequence of the QTC, we're in the process of evaluating, we've evaluated all seven projects, okay, and we're picking up four of them straight away. Army is about to drop $1.4 million on quantum within the next six months, leading into the next 24 months. And that's just stepping through the proposals that the guys provided us at our quantum challenge. That includes also working with our partners in um, one of the projects will be handed over to RAF, okay, and three projects will be remaining within Army. One of those projects is working with our strategic partner being BHP within the computing and simulation part. So I've sort of covered off on what QTC 21 was all about. Moving on, um, we'll have our key muster stakeholder where we'll actually begin to bring all the quantum people together. Okay, Army is coordinating this. Okay, with our outputs, we will continue to follow with um, QTC 21 over the next two years, likewise setting up Quantum Challenge 2022. Okay, that will go through the Oztender process to again dive down those technologies. 
I have a very small engine room when it comes to quantum technology. I'm talking one or two people. Openly here in the forum, okay? If you are in a green skin, or you're in a green skin and know someone that's in a different skin, I am very, very interested in guys that are loving quantum or have an interest in quantum. Even if you are not someone that, um, or has an aptitude for quantum. It is not an ECN, it is not a trade, but is a skill set that I am chasing. All right, that's me just on the wave tops of quantum. Moving into power and energy. As a Ramey officer coming into RICO, where my boss turns around and says to me, Alex, we're gonna take a PMB and convert it to a hybrid electric drive. I immediately go, that's really cool. Okay? For me to take out the combustion engine, place in a whole, lo whole load of batteries and, and the hybrid drives, going, okay, what's my budget? How am I gonna be limited? What agencies can help me do this? Okay, before I knew it, we're already doing the work. Okay, but I'll cover off that project a little bit in a little bit. What I want to cover is this slide, and I don't know um, who made this slide, okay, but if someone's out there and actually knows who made it, um, I will then provide them credit. But what it does show is the motor industry and the declines and expected switch from diesel and combustion and petrol, um, fossil fuel engines to hybrid electric or pure electric. The technology in the last 10 years has come leaps and bounds, okay? You've got New South Wales government speaking about putting in charging stations um, all around so that what people perceive as a small mileage of electric vehicle of around two to 400 kilometers, depending on which variant you can currently buy now, okay? Noting full well that the average commuter in New South Wales does about 40 Ks but there's still that anxiety of what happens if I don't have power to recharge. I'll cover a slide in a second. For us in Army, it's not about the fossil fuel. Okay, there's lots of other things that we focus on. The fossil fuel is but one of 10. Okay, there are all these other things that are hybrid electric drive, electric drive, platform can provide to us within Army, okay? The source of a directed energy weapon, counter UAV, counter UGV, you know, really interested in that. Lower maintenance costs, okay? As a maintainer, no offense to the truckies, please don't take offense, okay? Truckies break my, break my trucks, I take ownership of them. As a maintainer, I go out and fix them. With a hybrid electric drive, they're actually more reliable than a combustion engine. A lot harder to break, and we'll test that soon, okay? The ability for us to do further deep water fording, have torque, okay, immediately there, okay? Having, uh, having 500 newton meters of torque at each axle on a Bushmaster is very appetizing. And more importantly, I can drive it in to anywhere and it's quiet. I rocked up at the industry partner that is doing the work on our Bushmaster and they had a 20 ton excavator. Okay, I felt like an eight year old when they started it up. Purely for the fact is my sensors were in overload. There was no big bloom of smoke, no giant engine rumbling as I'm used to seeing a giant bulldozer starting up. It was silent. And then I heard these weird noises. And then I realized for the first time, I could actually hear the hydraulic fluid going through the boom, through the lines to operate the boom. As a mechanical engineer, I'd never heard that before because I was always focused on the rumbling of, of a, a giant engine. Okay, so my inner eight-year-old came out. The project that RICO is currently looking into, and it is but one of many in defense, but I'm only gonna focus on the one that RICO is currently championing, okay, is that we are putting in two hybrid electric drives into the Bushmaster, okay? 140 kilowatts, close to 500 Newton meters of torque instantaneously at each axle. Okay, we're expecting to get a range of between two and 300 kilometers out of that vehicle. 
and then for it to silent run for 24 hours plus. I'm looking forward to getting into soldiers' hands and having our units actually test that. Because everything on paper says we will do that. I honestly believe we will do more. What's exciting is, is the ability for it to plug into any of our field power distribution and be charged off any small generator. I don't need a huge generator or anything else to plug it in. I can run it off a little 2.5 kVA and charge it back up ready to go. More importantly, okay, I can use this as a generator and run a whole CP. Okay, the range extender on that, which we're looking into, is a whole new technology where in the current Bushmaster, if you know it, there's a giant fuel tank on the back of it or on the, on the rear quarter. It's going to come off and in that space is going to go a new fuel tank and the generator. That generator is going to be able to exceed 400 kilowatts, possibly one megawatt. That is equivalent to two or three, if my maths is right, please don't, I'm not an electrical engineer, I said I'm a mechanical engineer, Six, three 16 kVAs. So you guys in, that are in SIG world running off power, this is a game changer. I'm expecting to take this vehicle, in, or collect this vehicle in November. DSTD are going to do some stuff across end of November through December, January, and I expect to have it in your hands in the new year. Your job's not to break it, although if you break it, we learn, and I'm happy for that. What I need you guys to do is explore what it can do. I've got all these great papers that tell me it can do lots. You guys will find bigger and better things for it to do. Robotics and autonomous systems. Raz, I've shown you my new pet dog. That's the version four. This is the version five. This one's waterproof, that one's water resistant, and it looks cooler in black because everything looks cooler in black. Okay? But these are in soldiers' hands now. We've got four of them. I've got one currently in Sydney with units in Sydney. I've got one in Darwin and one in um, Townsville. Okay? I was expecting to be leaving this one here in Brisbane, but I'm taking it back and we're going to do some further work to integrate some more sensors and other bits and pieces on it. The smaller robot there is a little Nerva robot. Those are currently being evaluated by all the ACRs. They have four of them in each ACR as well as at the School of Armour. Okay? It provides a 360 degree view. It can be thrown out of the, the turret so the guy, guys are not exposed and allows them to take a further leap forward, okay? keeping obviously a very low profile. It's also man portable, thrown in the back. Um, if, if a soldier is contacted, they can take cover from cover, they can take that thing out and actually throw it out, it bounces. Okay, IR capable, lights, all sorts of things. It's a great little nifty toy. I said toy, my, my director's gonna kill me for saying that. But it is a great piece that will inform us um, for our capability in the future. It's the, the same slide that my DG had up, so it's the, I think it's the only one that I've copied from him. It informs of our RAS strategy. You can clearly see that the benefits of having these robots and autonomous systems within Army, okay? There is great efficiencies for us to be had. I can put robots in soldiers, um, I can put so robots in soldiers' hands and they can put them into harm's way rather than their mates. A conventional infantry section, whether it be seven to nine, that small team training, you've got a, a soldier that is operating a UAS, you've got a soldier that's operating a ground UGV, whether it's wheeled or legged, suddenly you've got two members that have got their heads down and on controls looking after an asset. They're not certainly not a liability, but they feel it. Okay, they've got their hands off their weapon system. Okay, they're not pro providing immediate protection to their mates because their hands are off their weapon system because they're controlling an asset. Okay? There's a psychological barrier that we are putting these into soldiers' hands so we can learn from that. The technology is coming where, and I'll cover it a little later, where I can get soldiers' hands back onto the rifle. Okay? And you can, can still tr control the robot or the asset. 
We are certainly currently in the enhanced phase, okay? The robots that we are dealing with are all remote controlled. We are currently inserting the technology. I have begun moving into the optionally crude space, and I'll cover off on that. Hopefully most of you are tracking what we're doing with the M113s already. Okay, and we will commence to augment Army with these assets. And then the challenge for us is moving towards trusted autonomy. And I know Kate's gonna be speaking about that and a number of all the legal issues that we get to in your next presentations after me. All of these technologies, okay, all of these assets are providing a feed of some description, okay, to improve our decision cycle. I do not want the corporal on the ground being overwhelmed with all of this information. I can use AI to assist in that decision making. It can prioritise the information and give the information that is important to that tactical situation right now to enable the commander, whether that be the corporal or the general that's sitting in the brigade headquarters. Okay, so when I cover off on the AI piece, that's what we're doing, okay? That enhanced decision making, there is always the human deciding what we do with these assets. And the beauty of it is, you know, for a small amount of money, it's a lot easier to program this than it is us. I can throw all of these, again, into harm's way and they are cheap compared to human. Cover off on the optically crude. I've got a great little video to follow after this because I'd rather have show you what's going on. I'm an engineer. I like to show and let you guys do. Unfortunately, we're here and I can't get you to do. So the next best thing is I can actually show you via a video. But what I've currently got down at 7RAR, we've currently got three platforms. They're about to take delivery of another 10 with another 20 by the middle of next month. Okay. So we are well and truly into phase three of our option crew combat vehicle. It is not just a command variant, it is not just a troop variant. I've also got the Tillies for a logistic variant and I've got an ambulance. Okay? Well, the presenters before were telling you what we could do with a small robot. Imagine what we can currently do with assets that we've already got. Okay? I can use these assets to put into harm's way and then have soldiers come up and clean the battle space. Okay? CO 7 RAR has full reign of these assets. I don't care if it breaks them. The contract that I've got will fix them. Okay? If they start doing dumb things, the CO will quickly crack down on his soldiers. But at the end of the day, they have an open arc within our safety case to work these assets. Okay, explore. I don't want them to be doing conventional stuff. Conventional stuff will all happen. Okay, the guys are actually doing the training now on the three platforms that they've currently got so that every driver and crew commander is actually operating these things already. As a mechanical engineer, it was really interesting to go through the safety case. I'm not gonna bore you all with that, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I've got a driver in the vehicle or I'm driving the vehicle remotely from a control station. If I have a brake fail, there's not much I can do. Understanding that Army has already accepted the safety case, already has all the mitigations in place for a brake failure on an M113, okay? it was pretty easy to be able to work the system to allow us to be using these things straight away. I will hopefully have technology work again. Enjoy the video. You will find that my boss is a fan of Star Wars.
So what's interesting regarding, I'll go back, purely for the fact is that I don't want you to see that one yet. Um, what's interesting with that technology is that it's vehicle agnostic. Okay, we chose the 1113 because the provider of the technology happens to be the OEM of the 1113. For integration issues, it just made it easy. Okay, what I need you guys to think about is placing that technology in any of our current platforms. Okay, that is going to be in soldiers' hands within weeks. Okay, where do we go after one brigade has used, utilized that asset for 12 months? I am not sure. Certainly looking forward to the challenges that will present us as an army. That then leads me into my next one. I have a great staff member that's working this issue with Deakin University. It is autonomous lead follower. They have five um, Rymatel 40Ms down there at Deakin. Okay? Think of having one of those vehicles up front okay, with four vehicles, no following it. Okay? It is very empowering. The two vehicle convoy has been proven. The five vehicle convoy has been proven. Okay, whilst we've all had people a dead man switch. Only yesterday, I get to share it with all of you. Okay, we yesterday down at Megida had the vehicles driving around autonomously with no man on the dead switch. No people in the cabin at all. Driver, truck up front, four vehicles behind. That technology is here and now. Okay, I'm not quite ready to give it to soldiers yet. Okay, we will get there though. I don't know how long that will take, but we will get there. For the commanders in the room and online, it will be amazing. We will not have to do investigations of decoupling trailers. Okay. We'll just need to make sure that our soldiers have pressed the right buttons to have the assets follow them. We have some significant challenges ahead of us to take these onto public roads. I was chatting with my DG when he, we were having coffee before, and he wants me to get these things driving on public roads by the end of the year. I said, I smiled and said, no worries boss, as all Lieutenant Colonels say to their one star. Okay, but I'm aware of the challenges. I do think it is possible. But for us to be doing that, it's going to take a significant amount of work. I'm also going to be calling upon likely people in the audience to help me do that. Okay, Just to start with, there is no legislation currently around the country that aligns to allow us to do that. Okay, so we will be breaking ground for the whole of the country. It is a great challenge to be set. But you can begin to think of all of those outcomes that we're exploring and the reasons why we're doing it. Okay. Okay, these are just examples set in stone. So please, um, the, um, the guys within the combat cause, okay, it is just an example. But if you can imagine what we currently do within an artillery battery, we have a whole load of assets. Okay, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. Okay, but it just makes the, the argument compelling. There is a load of assets there for us to provide an artillery battery in the field. Okay, it is manpower intensive. Okay, you're going around 56, 56 to 60 people just to get those four guns into the field and providing the fire mission. When you apply the M113 technology with a little bit of the Deakin University technology and the lead follow-up and the art of the possible, can you imagine having four RAS guns, all its logistics and everything else provided by simply having a headquarters troop in their PMVs? We go from having you know, manpower intensive okay, to suddenly having a manpower greatly reduced. What does that mean for Army? I can put those other people to do other tasks. Okay? I'm suddenly being able to create great efficiencies within our workforce. Don't want to be a maintainer, or it could be a great time to be a maintainer, because suddenly I've got all of those assets that still need to be fixed. 
There are some great challenges for Army as we move forward with developing our RAS-enabled force. Go back to my, one of my first slides. You know, government has stated and approved a RAS-enabled brigade in our future. What does that look like? I am not sure. For the loggies in the room, okay? I quickly spoke about, you know, transport troop, 30 people, loaded 15 trucks, carrying a trailer, 30 ISO containers. Imagine suddenly having, you know, only six trucks, 12 personnel, because we traveled two up, removing the threat, and then all being able to have four other platforms following it. It is a combat multiplier and I'm removing soldiers from the battle space and removing that risk. I can have you doing other important tasks in the battle space. As I said, they're just examples. All right, I'll move on to the AI part. And as you, as you can hopefully see, when I ask my AI major for a one or two slides to be able to express what we're doing in the AI, I said, please keep it simple. All my other slides have been simple because I'm a logging officer, I like simplicity. And he said, this is as simple as AI gets. It's my most complex slide, but I can hopefully talk you through it. Within the AI space, we're covering three areas, being cognitive augmentation, advanced decision-making, or decision advantage, okay, and swarming. As I said, I'm not an AI specialist, but I've got an SO2 for that. Okay? Within the cognitive augmentation, I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it my, for myself. Coming into the job late last year, doing my handover, meeting my future boss, went to UTS in Sydney and got to see the brain-human interaction. Place a skull cap on, look at a iPad, Samsung, a tablet with four flashing things turning around your brain. You choose one of those flashing things and the robot in front of you does what you say. I went, I called on it. I said, that's not possible. And so I put the thing on, made up the obstacle course myself and took the robot that I was controlling without any inputs except for the graphene sensors on my head and me turning around and telling it what to do. A complete game changer. Is it ready for me to put into your hands? Not yet. How long will that take? I am not sure. But they are beginning to integrate those sensors and that technology into a combat helmet, okay? Use of Google Lens or other form of um, Microsoft Lens, a form of lens, you begin to get that in, all in front of you, okay? And suddenly you're looking from a, a soldier's perspective, from your perspective, I am no longer vulnerable on the battle space. I can make the conscious decision to have my hands on the rifle at all times. I can protect myself and I can protect my mates and still control my asset. It's really empowering technology. The brain-computer interface, really interesting as well. Um, I don't know enough about it, but I just know that the guys are exploring it. So that's what the BCI acronym is up there. We're doing some significant calibration, um, collaboration, I'll get the right word out, um, with our industry partners, whether that's ICT firms or academia, okay, to commence the, um, their exploration of the future technology, okay? Um, one of the um, previous pr presenters spoke about Athena AI and what they are doing with Dismounted Combat Program. From a RICO perspective, we are firmly watching that and trying to take two or three bounds ahead of what they are currently doing. Okay, as I spoke about, the AI is all there to be able to improve our decision making. Okay, if I've suddenly, I use the analogy of coming from a signal regiment, worked in a signal regiment for three years, and any log, loggy officer or loggy that's worked in a signal regiment knows the pain of working in a SIG regiment. So all the SIGs out there, I apologize, but it's true, all right? But for us, the explanation that I got, it's a single pipe that the comms is going through. At the moment, it's a garden hose, okay? Stuffing cricket balls, footballs, and everything down, down that hose, okay? Army has picked up the medicine ball, okay? And we are changing the pipes so I can begin to stuff medicine balls down the comms pipe. But which medicine ball do I need first? Okay, so I can make an informed decision. 
Having the AI tell me and support me is what we're chasing right now. So it can reprioritize that information coming along that train line of information of medicine balls. And for any SIGs that I've undercomplicated what is a very complex thing, I apologize. Okay, that process improvement, one of the programs that we've got, we are partnering with Microsoft. So in a CP, um, we can prioritize that information. More importantly, if I've got a truck or any other logistic out asset out there that's turning around and can read that that fuel tank is half empty, or I've used half the allocated ammunition on board the board that platform, it's automatically pinging that information. It knows it. Okay. What I want to do is, is be able to reach down and grab it rather than having an operator like you guys getting on the blower and saying, I've used this amount of fuel, I've used this many rounds, and at my next resupply, I need this stuff. Likewise, getting all that information in a timely manner, the loggy, the S4, is running around headlessly, gathering all of that, trying to reprioritize it in accordance with the commander's guidance to make sure that those guys that need it and girls that need it first, get it first. That prioritizing information is really, really, really important, okay? Yet sometimes we're still managing it via spreadsheets because that's the way we've always done it. We're now working with the programs to actually get that automated. It's not a small task, but we, we're well and truly advancing that. And the collaborative robotics. I'll just touch on that one because everybody seems to be fascinated about the whole swarming piece, okay? It is something that is going to consume a couple of majors and captains that I've got working both reservists and full-time, okay, over the next two years as we develop that, okay? Like the leader follower and the OCCV, there's a load of regulatory stuff that we as Army can't avoid, and we will be breaking new ground within Australia to make that happen. That's the challenge that we've got with the swarming, okay? Presenters before spoke about the challenges of having loitering ammunition. It's the same process to get the swarming happening for us. Okay? Getting that technology in the air and in your hands so we can use it is what RICO is working towards. So I've nearly hit my mark. I've got seven minutes left. Um, and then questions. I'm just going to cover up a few challenges before I play my final video. Okay? I'm not going to touch on all the challenges, but as you can see from what's on the board there, I have, and Rico has, an immense amount of challenges ahead of us. Okay? And that list is not exhaustive. Okay? I spoke about one robot does not do it all. Okay? I have these robots which are in the hands of you guys and being experimented with right now. I've just spent $2.4 million and I'm getting a load more small wheeled robots of the small size and the medium size and I'm getting them into every engineer regiment okay, and every infantry unit as well as the ACRs for further exploration. Purely for the fact is the feedback that we got from the ACRs supported that business case for further advancement. So those will commence delivery I'm probably throwing an SO2 under the bus. We're expecting them to start rolling out within in, into units in late August, okay? Certainly before the year is out. Okay, not sure of priorities, but the, all infantry units, all engineer regiments are going to get those. The little wheel nerds, as you can see there, oh, sorry, on the previous slide, and the spurs as well, which is a slightly larger one. Also allows for integration of EOD arms and a load of other sensors. Remembering it's just a platform that you can bolt onto. Trust and tolerance of autonomy. It is something that we will constantly engage with industry, and I know Kate's going to be speaking about that later. Okay, there's lots of legal aspects to be going through, but at the moment, as per our strategy, Army is in control of our assets that be remote control, or whether that be into the augmented stage and doing the optionally crew piece. We are not fully autonomous yet. For Army, 
It's a huge cultural change. Don't underestimate it. I walked in and looking at all you guys, as soon as I walked in, called it a robot dog, I got smiles. Get it to do its little dance and it's a huge thing just seeing the reaction, okay, of everybody with a robot dog. But as I said, it's a huge cultural change for us to adjust as an organisation. Spoke about the soldier with his hands on uh, his or her hands on their weapon system and actually taking it off and feeling vulnerable. Don't estimate that if you are one of the junior commanders and they in your team. Big one: everything currently is sovereign. Okay, I spoke about quantum. Okay, and all the other projects are us developing it here in Australia with our industry partners or academic partners here in Australia. That's really empowering. And I guess the big one up there, the challenge that I've got in my tenure as the SO1 um, emerging technology is to commence looking at counter-RAS, okay? It's not something in my last six months I've dived into yet. Okay, I have a number of defence um, proposals or proposals to review. I'm still not there yet, okay? Um, but it's something that I'm beginning to dive into because you can be sure our adversaries are already looking into it or are commencing to look into it. All right, and what does our future look like? was a snapshot of what happened in April just down the road from here in Brisbane at our first Robotics Expo. Okay? It was Army leaning forward, speaking with academics and industry and saying, what can you bring to the table? It wasn't a land forces, it was done in conjunction with the Chief of Army Symposium. Regardless of whether you're a mum and dad company or an industry prime or a university or, as I said, a mum and dad company, we put the request for tender out, okay? We had a number um, that didn't get, that got cut away, but we had 55 that were there on the day. They had their own six by six meter little box, a video screen, a couple of seats and a little desk. That's all they had. And they got to pitch us all of those great things that you saw right there, okay? I was there in my own six by six meter box playing with a little robot all day, doing um, media and other bits and pieces. The only difference was I had the brown one, not the black one, okay? I'm here to tell you that next year we are running ARX, okay? It will be at, in Brisbane in June, okay? 
I encourage you all to get out, if you can, to see it. Engage with academia, engage with industry. Okay? If you know of people that have got the cool ideas, okay, get them to respond to the tender when it is placed on Tender. And that is my sales pitch. What I have done, and I see the, um, the cove walking down the stairs, but I think I've hit my mark because I said I was going to talk for an hour. What I've got is about 15 minutes, Marcus? 10 left, there you go. Did all right. So you're ready to have a Lieutenant Colonel dance in the square and have the hard questions. Please, I, I'm here to take them and happy to assist if I can. Yes, mate. anything with those elements of Forces Command within the training cycle to inform that. It's a great point and I will take that on board. Okay, I certainly see that there'd be great value in placing that stuff in there so that we as planners in the art of war can begin to look at what our adversaries could be doing, not just us. But at the moment my focus has been getting these assets into your hands so we can commence that experimentation, shorten down our um, understanding of these systems, get it into the capability life cycle so I can have programs within Army invest in this technology and get it into your hands and have it supported. I'm gonna drive that around because it just, everybody looks at the but yeah. To be part of the No, it hasn't been allocated yet, so I've got a load of engagement that I have to do with the commands, okay, whether they be um, one div, SOCOM, and Headquarters Forces Command, and I'll be working with those guys to then work out where we place these things. At the moment, I've only got the, I'll only have the one PMV asset, so it will be shared, likely shared to um, the, the PMV infantry battalions within Forces Command to start with. Okay, that's the initial thoughts, but they're the thoughts of me. At the moment, I haven't even started work on my safety case for that so I can get it into soldiers' hands. What I'm expecting to have is an ADR-compliant vehicle, which Army has already accepted. I just have a different drivetrain, okay? And I need a long list. Hopefully, it's a short list that I can give any person that goes in and understands that they are about to jump into a 16-and-a-half-ton vehicle that may have its axle weight slightly different and a lower centre of gravity compared to a conventional PMV and can suddenly go 0 to 80 k's an hour in less than five and a half seconds. Okay, I've already set the challenges, challenge to the CO at my school of um, electrical and mechanical engineering that I want to see him on, a ra on the racetrack at Bathurst at next year with his Armageddon as to what his next generation, he's probably going to put two V12s side by side just to try to outpace um, an electric PMV. But I want them on the starting line. That's the task that the, my director has set me saying, I want to display this capability to Australia and we'll do it at Bathurst. I don't know if I'm going to achieve it, but now I've publicly stated it, the onus is on me to try to do that, okay? So if anybody out here knows the people in Bathurst that I can get in touch with, please ping me. All right, I guess what I've failed to do is get to my last slide, is that one. And guys, th this is all open source, okay? This will take you to the open source on the internet. For those with the DPN account, if you find, go to Army Structures through Army Headquarters and into Future Land Warfare, you'll see the stuff that is all open to RICO, okay, as well there. All my points of contact and my team's points of contact are all there as well, okay? If you have great ideas, please let me and my team know. Our RAS strategies, our quantum roadmap, the Land Power Forum, all those links are all open source on the internet um, through Army Research Centre.
Um, I'm going to be hanging around um, the rest of the afternoon. I've got some more. We've got one question left. Um, with regards to uh, autonomous vehicles, sir, yep. do you believe that uh, quantum technology can, recall, let's say, eliminate the risk of uh, counter-electronic warfare? And then wouldn't that quantum technology then be used to strengthen um, counter-electronic warfare? What? I, I could, to be quite honest, don't know how to answer the question. I think at the moment we haven't even explored it. The, the, what we could possibly do in the quantum field, to be quite honest, I think is endless. What we've got in our quantum, quantum roadmap, I think is quite expansive, okay? But at the same time, I think it is that true iceberg analogy that we can only see this much, yet there's all this other stuff that we could possibly do. So it's like, like small robots, like the other things that Rico is trying to get into your hands. There is a small team of people that can see that these things will benefit Army. What we see is five or six things Everybody else out there, suddenly you're also seeing five or six things and it is quantified greatly to be able to be able to see that these assets will provide greater capability to Army. Okay, one more? Yes, mate. Okay, so I'm really well. Other than doing a bit of the tap dance, but hey. That's cool. So reference quantum AI analysis. I just happen to be Raimi, okay? I could be standing here as a combat officer, signal officer. My position is not coded Raimi, okay? At the moment, I don't care where that path comes. I know that my boss is trying to develop that in-house capability. But what you'll find is, as is our industry partners and as is the whole of Australia, we are bidding a small asset. Just in the engineers alone, Army can't grow enough engineers to support ourselves. You know, industry is the same. You know, I've got an 18-year-old daughter that mastered in a load of maths and did really well in school and has no interest in anything to do with STEM. Okay? Maybe it's she's got a stepdad that's a mechanical engineer, but the issue, issue is, is that's what we are facing here in Australia is, is there is a, a, a giant generation of coming through where we are seeking to get these smart people and there are not enough of them, okay? Army will be looking within its own organisation to recruit from within, okay? I was a GSO officer first, didn't have an engineering degree, put my hand up saying that would be great. Being paid as a captain to go to school for four years, sure. Didn't know how hard I was going to work afterwards, but that worked, okay? So I don't care whether you're an officer or an OR, rank, okay, if you have the aptitude to be diving into any of these technologies, I just need to know. I can't make you any promises, okay, but I can certainly support it. We've got guys doing PhDs in AI, okay, and we're supporting a load of other long-term schooling projects, whether they be with our industry or academic partners or outside, okay. There are many options for all of us wearing this skin, and likewise, Army is going to be aligned on our contractors and academic partners for a long time because that is the position that the whole of the country's in, not just army.